Hi, it's Dom here, pastor at Assemble Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged, inspired, and equipped to live out the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message today. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we pray as we open the word? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you've written it to us, uh, that, uh, that you've given it to us, to each of us, that we may read uh, words... <clears throat> words written directly uh, directly uh, by your Holy Spirit uh, through the pens of men. And, uh, and we thank you, Lord, that we can gather here on a Sunday morning uh, in a secondary school in Newark, and we can open it and you can speak through it. And so, Lord, we ask as we do that, uh, would your Holy Spirit uh, work in conjunction with the words that we read, uh, and would you speak to your church this morning? Amen. Amen. So good. So we are in a series on John, which we started last week, and uh, what we're doing is a uh, is a chapter by chapter study of John, uh, which is super cool. It's super cool. Is anyone enjoying this so far? Yeah. It's a chapter by chapter study, and uh, and so what we're doing is we're uh, we're taking our time. We're taking our time with John and uh, and seeing what it is that God wants to say to us. And so we started with John one last week. Now the idea is that we do a chapter per week, right? Uh, but John 1, it turns out, there is so much in John 1. There is so much in John 1. We couldn't fit it all into one week. And so we've gone over uh, this week into week two of John 1. So it's John 1 continued this week, uh, which is, uh, is, 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 is a bit of a pain. It's, it's played havoc with the preaching rotor slightly. Uh, but not to worry, not to worry. Uh, all things will work out for the good of those that love him. Amen. Uh, so last week we, uh, we focused on the first section of John 1 uh, and we looked at the person of Jesus, didn't we? And there were eight, uh, eight uh, particular identities or eight things that we learned about Jesus through John 1. And those were, uh, Jesus is God. Jesus is our creator God. Jesus is our illuminating God. Jesus is our polarizing God. Jesus is our savior God. Jesus is our human God. Jesus is our redeemer God. And Jesus is our only God. And, uh, and so we learned those things last week. If you weren't here, I'd recommend the podcast. Uh, you can catch up there. Uh, it was pretty cool. It's pretty, I enjoyed myself anyway. So good. And so throughout the rest of this, uh, of this study in John, uh, what we're really doing is we'll begin to see some of these claims that have been made, and we'll get to see some of these uh, in greater detail, evidenced by eyewitness accounts and people who were around at the time uh, to, discover, uh, to discover these claims uh, in who Jesus is. And this week we're continuing John 1, uh, John, uh, John 1 uh, from verse 19, and we're looking at two things, two things. Uh, we're looking first at the identity in Jesus, right? So our identity in Jesus. And then secondly, we're looking at purpose through Jesus. Purpose through Jesus. And so I'd recommend that you uh, find a notebook. You get a notebook and a Bible. If you don't have a notebook, I would really recommend that you get one because it's good to be able to write things down, isn't it? It's good to be able to write down, not necessarily what I say. I might, I might say something good. That's a maybe. Uh, but what we do know for sure is that God speaks to us on a Sunday morning. He drops things into our hearts and our minds as we're reading his scriptures. And, uh, and it's good to have the, uh, the uh, opportunity to write those things down. And so that's why we, we've got a whole load of what we don't have them out actually uh, but we've got a whole load of note- notebooks so if you need a notebook just come and get one you can have one for free and a pen uh, generosity that's like that yeah it's good great well let's uh, let's begin then uh, in uh, in John 
or continue in John. The first thing to say that I'd like to say is this. The Bible, did you know this? The Bible is not written about us. Do you know that? The Bible is not written about us. It's not written for us to gain principles uh, or life hacks. You know, sort of if we behave in this way, then things will go well for us. It does do that. But that's not the purpose of the Bible. The Bible does speak into our lives and it speaks into our situations and circumstances. Absolutely it does. But the purpose of the, of the Bible is not to give us the cheat codes for life. That's not the purpose of the Bible. It's not a self-help book. You know, we'll often get, uh, we'll often see preachers, won't we? I don't want to, I don't want to tear any anyone anyone down. But but we'll often have uh, have preachers who will bring out the self-help aspect of the Bible and sometimes leave out the purpose of the Bible and sometimes leave out God. And you'll know, we'll hear things like, you know, I am more than a conqueror, which is true in Christ. You know, and we'll hear, oh, I can do all things. Absolutely, you can, but only because of Jesus. And we'll hear, you know, oh, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. It is true. You are, absolutely, by a creator to whom you are accountable. And so we can't take God out of the Bible uh, and, uh, and, and, and we mustn't view the Bible as a self-help book to, uh, to, to sort of uh, in that way because it's not written about us. Is that uncomfortable? Yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, is everyone comfortable with that? Oh, Okay. Good, excellent. <laughs> the Bible isn't about us; it's about God. It, it depicts uh, it depicts God's uh, God's pursuit after His creation. It, it it depicts God's love for His creation. Uh, it shows God's plan for restoration of His creation, and it depicts God's sacrifice. The sacrifice He's willing to make in order uh, to bring all of this about. The Bible is the story of God's interaction with His creation. I want to say that before we start this morning, uh, because we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about us and talking about our identity. But the frame of reference uh, for us and for our identity is God. Is that okay? Great stuff. Let's, uh, let's begin then. So we're looking, we're starting with the identity of Jesus. And, uh, and we're beginning in, uh, in, in verse 19. Now, uh, we're, we're going to read an account in, in a minute. And the first thing to know is that this, uh, the John that's being mentioned here is John uh, the Baptist. It's not John the Beloved, who is the author of the book of John. Loads of Johns. I think there's about nine in the New Testament. It's very confusing. Uh, but the John that we're looking at is John the Baptist. And this piece of scripture seeks to speak into uh, an, an element of our society that is at the forefront of modern culture. Right, and it's all about our identity. Who are you? What is the thing that you are? You know, why are you uh, here? You know, we, we yearn uh, to seek after and find an identity, don't we? Yeah, I think that's pretty, uh, pretty natural. And so what, what we can do is we can adopt uh, an identity from the world or our experience of it, can't we, sometimes? Yeah? And this, this, isn't, this isn't too difficult to fall into. I'm a web designer so, uh, because I build websites, right? Or I'm a, I have kids, so I'm a mother or a father. Uh, I support Forrest, so I'm a Forrest fan. I like Jeremy Corbyn, so I'm a liberal. And uh, these aren't me. These aren't me. These are just examples of other, other things that people are or other people might say. I don't support Forrest. <laughs> Um, we're so desperate to discover, aren't we? So desperate to discover who we are and, uh, and label ourselves accordingly. 
Even people that don't like labels, oh, you can't box me. I'm unboxable. I'm unlabelable. Still a label, isn't it? To be unlabelable. Discovering our identity is so important. It defines who we are. It defines what we do. It defines how we view the world. It defines how we behave. And this is not a new thing. This is not a new thing. You know, think about identity politics these days and what's our identity. That's not new. That's not new. The Bible speaks into this 2,000 years ago. I'd like to show you. Is that all right? Great. Well, let's finally begin then. In verse 19, here we go. Now, this was John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. He answered, no. The first thing, uh, the first thing that we see in verses, uh, in verses 19 uh, to 21 is that identity begins with who we're not. Identity begins with who we're not. These guys are coming to John and they're saying, hey, uh, who are you? What's your identity? You know, we need a label for you. We need to apply a label uh, on you so we can report back. Are you the Messiah? Nope. Are you Elijah? Nope. Prophet? Nope. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the world is trying to apply a label on John. And John's given the opportunity to assume these pretty uh, magnificent uh, identities, isn't he? He's, uh, he has the opportunity right here. You know, he could say, yeah, Messiah John. It's got a ring to it. Yeah, I'm the Messiah. Why not? Why not I'm the Messiah? Or yeah, I'm a prophet. I could be a prophet. Yeah. Easy. I'm a prophet. Uh, but uh, So he could take on any identity that he wants, and at this point there's very little that will come up against him to say that's not true. Um, but John knows his identity. He's secure in his identity. And part of John's identity is knowing who he isn't and standing up for his own identity when the world attempts to place a label on him. Is that okay? Is that good? I, I read an article um, in, the, in the Telegraph this week and I won't give the full details, um, but it was, it was an article that was written by a girl. And she, um, she was having an identity crisis. And, uh, and she, was, she was really struggling with identity, and she had been for, for quite a while. And so she'd been to, uh, to see uh, various experts and various practitioners and what have you uh, to sort of try and, uh, try and sort out this identity crisis uh, that she was having. And, uh, and as she was seeing various uh, experts and what have you, they were, uh, the, the, this, is, this is an article written by the girl about her own story. Uh, uh, they were applying different labels to her, applying different identities uh, to her. And, uh, and, and she was becoming, as, as time went on, she was becoming more and more distressed, more and more depressed as well, because she was actually being taken further and further away from the identity that she actually was. It came to a point where this girl was, uh, was, was going to face a, um, a significant uh, situation, uh, surgery, that would, uh, that would affirm this identity that these experts were applying to her. Unfortunately, she was able to, to, to stand at the last minute and say, no, this isn't me. This isn't me. What you're saying about me isn't me. It's not me. And I thought that it was, uh, it was really telling of, uh, of the world's um, uh, incessant yearning to place labels on us. And if we're not careful, we can adopt these labels. This girl said that if, if she had gone along with this, uh, with this procedure and accepted this identity that was being put on her, she claimed that she would have resulted in taking her own life because she was further and further away from the identity uh, that she actually was. But she was able to stand up and say no. 
This isn't me. And so our identity and coming to, coming to know who we are starts by knowing who we're not. It starts by knowing who we're not. And, uh, and in John's case, he knows, I'm not the Messiah. I am not God. I am not the prophet. I am not Elijah. I am John. How's that? Is that good? Start with knowing who you're not. There's a lot of things I'm not. <laughs> let's, uh, let's continue then in verse 22. Here we go. Um, Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight for the way of the Lord. John knows his identity and his identity is not about him. John's identity is not about him. Uh, it's relative, did you notice, to Jesus. It's relative uh, to Jesus. Without Jesus, John has no identity. He doesn't have an identity uh, without Jesus. Th- this is John's description of his own identity. I'll read it again. He says, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. This is John's identity if we remove Jesus. I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way. It makes no sense. When we remove Jesus from our identity, it makes no sense. Uh, It needs Jesus in it to be complete. In fact, if you take Jesus out of John's identity, he's just some wacko who's eating locusts and honey in a cloth out in the middle of nowhere shouting to himself. Because his identity needs Jesus uh, in order for it to make sense. And when we make our identity around the one that made us, then our identity too begins to make sense. But before we can place our identity and make our identity around Jesus, we need to know who Jesus is, don't we? We need to know who Jesus is. And, and this is what we spoke about last week by uh, when we understand who Jesus is. John is able to build his identity um, as the one who is making the way for the Lord because he knows that Jesus is the Lord. Uh, and so, uh, so we must know who Jesus is first. Our declaration of who Jesus is, our declaration of who Jesus is gives way to our own identity. And we see a really cool picture uh, of this, I guess, a bit more uh, pronounced and a bit more obvious, uh, if you like, uh, from Jesus himself in, uh, in Matthew. Matthew 16, uh, uh, verse 13 says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. You know, when I read that this week, I was like, Ah, well, not bother then. There's nothing I can do to show Jesus to anybody. I can read from this Bible, I can do some notes. You know, we can all have a nice time, but actually only God can reveal God to people. Yeah? Side point. Um, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And it's this rock 
this rock, this understanding, this confession of who Jesus, the Catholics struggle with this bit. They, they think that the rock is Peter. Uh, it's not the, the rock that Jesus is talking about in this instance is the rock of understanding of who Jesus is. It's on this cornerstone that the church of Jesus Christ will be built. That okay? Good, excellent news. Right, so identity is important to us, yeah? No disagreement about that. Um, but there is disagreement about, uh, about where our identity comes from. And where our identity comes from is key. Because the labels of this world don't stick, do they? The labels of the world don't stick. They're, they're temporary and they're subject to change. You know, if we put our identity in a job, but then we change jobs, then what happens to our identity? It's not a permanent identity. It can't, it can't, be, uh, it can't be placed in anything that is temporary. I've got, a, uh, I've got a license to drive a cherry picker. Don't ask me why. You know, one of the big crane things. I've got one of those. And uh, got a card that says I can, I can drive that. Uh, but um, it's only valid for as long as the governing body that says that I can drive a cherry picker exists. If that body ever uh, gets disbanded or bankrupt or whatever, then my card that says I'm a cherry picker driver doesn't work anymore. It's not valid because the identity comes from something that is temporary and, uh, and will, is subject to fade. And if your identity is placed in something that's subject to fade, then it will fade. It will fade. And, uh, and it will not last. And therefore, I would argue that it has no real basis now if it's something that can fade. But if your identity comes from that which will not fade that which cannot fade because it existed, he existed before anything could fade, then it will remain eternal. It will remain secure. Is that good? Good stuff. Great stuff. Let's, uh, let's continue in verse 24. Uh, verse 24 says this. Now, the Pharisees who had been sent question him, why... Then, do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of, of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. The Pharisees, the ones pursuing John for his identity, they are reluctant to accept his identity. He's told them who he is, and they're reluctant to accept it. This is, this is really interesting, isn't it? It's quite disheartening, uh, if anything. They're reluctant to accept um, who he says he is. Now, it's worth noting. This is worth noting. This is something uh, that can perhaps answer some questions for us, perhaps things that we might have struggled with as Christians. Because without the proper understanding of who Jesus is, and without, uh, without the, the proper understanding of the gospel message and why Jesus is here and that Jesus is Lord, our identity in Christ will not make sense to the world. It will not make sense because there is not an acceptance of the underlying principle that our identity sits on. Does that make sense? Do you, do you, do, am, am, am I being clear? Am I getting my thoughts across? Sometimes I'm not sure. I watch the podcast back sometimes. I'm like, what? what? That didn't make any sense. <laughs> so and we, we as Christians, we get this all the time, don't we? Have you, have you ever had this? You know, you might hear, I, I understand that you believe in God, but why do you go to church? 
Or, I, I understand uh, that, uh, that, that, that you like Jesus, but, but why, do you, why do you give money to the church? It doesn't make any, any sense. Our identity only makes sense in light of the gospel. Our identity only makes sense in light of who Jesus is. And without acknowledgement of who Jesus is and without acknowledgement of the full gravity of the gospel message, our identity and the things that are attributed to it do not make sense. I've experienced this. Uh, in fact, uh, Sam and I have experienced this um, per, uh, personally. Uh, when I when I uh, first gave my life to Jesus, and uh, and I was at church all the time. I was serving the Lord like a good Christian lad does, and uh, and the Holy Spirit had not yet softened Sam's heart to the gospel. I mean, praise be to him that he has now since, obviously. Uh, but, uh, but at that time, and so, uh, so Sam would say, yeah, look, look, I get that you, that, that you believe in God now, but why do you have to spend so much time at church? Our, our, you know, what we do and, and, and how, how we do things based on our identity is questioned when our identity doesn't make sense to the world. It's just a note, just a note, isn't it? It just gives us a bit of comfort. You know, we can say, okay, I get that you don't get that. We can have peace in that. We can just know that. Um, but I, I do think that it's interesting how John uh, John tackles this this instance. Did you, did you notice how John uh, John tackles this situation? Because what John does uh, is actually uh, he turns the question back and he puts it on Jesus. He turns it back around. He puts it on Jesus and he makes something that was about him and he makes it about Jesus. He makes it about Jesus, and uh, and and I think I think this is this is really great, and it's it's so countercultural, uh, really, for us to do this. And this is why you know we said last week that that this, our society, our culture, uh, is, is 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 kind of at odds with this book because what we're saying and what we're and what we're believing just doesn't make sense. Because the message of society and what we learn from society is this: Hey, it's all about you. It's all about you, you know, it's all about what makes you happy, it's all about what makes you feel good, it's all about what's good for you, it's all about how far can you go, it's all about how much money can you make. That's what society says, you know, you do you. And it sounds marvellous. But the Bible disagrees. The Bible disagrees and the Bible says, no, your life is about Jesus. And the the world doesn't like it. (laughs) But that's cool. The Holy Spirit is at work, hey? Yeah, so good. So that's our identity in, in Jesus uh, and, uh, and, and sort of the basis of that. And interestingly, we haven't really talked about any identity in Jesus, have we? We haven't talked about what our identity means. We haven't talked about the salvation that we receive. We haven't talked about the inheritance uh, that we inherit. We haven't talked about, you know, being, uh, uh, being a co-heir uh, or brothers and sisters in Christ. We haven't talked about any of what our identity brings us. But we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that for now. Identity uh, in Jesus. I, our identity comes from Jesus. We're going to uh, we're going to move on and uh, and start to look at our purpose through Jesus. Now uh, I know we we're sort of doing this verse by verse, but we're actually just going to skip five verses. We're going to skip five verses. I know, terrible. Uh, Verses 29 to 34, John is speaking more about Jesus coming. Uh, He references Jesus, the Lamb of God, which to his Jewish audience uh, would have meant a great deal because uh, it's a reference to the Passover lamb, uh, the lamb through which their people were saved uh, in Egypt. Uh, There's a whole lot there. If you want to talk about that, happy to talk about that at the end. It's great. Uh, But... um, but we're just going to uh, we're just going to skip that uh, for now, um, and uh, move on to our purpose through Jesus. So we've spoken about uh, ident- uh, person of Jesus, haven't we? 
That was last week. We've spoken about our identity in Jesus. And now we're looking at our purpose through Jesus. Because the natural question after we've read what we've read so far, the natural question that perhaps we're asking is, well, okay, what next? What next? What do I do with this information? I know who Jesus is now. I know who I am now. Uh, well, what's next? What do, I, what do I do with that? The final uh, section of John offers, uh, offers uh, an answer to this question. Now that our intrigue is peaked and our appetite is whetted, you know, we want to know more, don't we? We want to know more. Because some significant claims have been made. And so perhaps we need a convincer. Yeah? Perhaps we need a convincer. Perhaps Jesus can pull down some fire from heaven to, to prove who he is. Or perhaps he can part the nearest body of water or, or something like that. You know, we need to be convinced. But a few simple miracles that Jesus can perform, they're not going to, uh, to, to be able to explain the fullness of who Jesus is, are they? That's, uh, that, that, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not possible. If this man is God as he claims to be and as John claims him to be, if he is God incarnate, God creator made flesh, it's going to take a lot longer than that to convince, to show and to demonstrate who Jesus is. And so let's read what happens from verse 35. Here we go. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw uh, Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, turning around. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and uh, they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So these people, this is these people's first interaction with Jesus. Uh, they're only just meeting him. They've heard a lot about him from John, and, uh, and they're expecting some significant things, I would have thought. They've got a lot of questions. Who's got questions for Jesus in this place? Yeah? I've got a fair few questions for Jesus myself. Uh, so these guys, certainly, they will have questions. Uh, they probably want to get down to some theology. Yeah, They probably want to, want to hear from Jesus' thoughts on, on, on some Old Testament scriptures uh, or, or, or whatever else that they're after at this point. Uh, but they start things off fairly simple. They start things off fairly easy. Hey, where are you staying? Where are you staying? That's a nice simple one. We'll start there. And maybe they're expecting a fairly simple answer from Jesus. Oh, I've just got a place up on the high street. It's just around the corner. But Jesus doesn't want to tell them information. Jesus doesn't want to, uh, to tell them information. Instead, he says, come and you will see. This is not a simple, straightforward forward answer. There's no address and postcode that Jesus, uh, Jesus gives. And so maybe these people are thinking that it's going to be pretty difficult to get some answers from this guy. We asked a simple question. Where are you staying? And he won't even tell us. He wants to, he wants to do something different. But this statement that Jesus makes, come and see, this sets the, the tone for Jesus' entire ministry that continues to today. He doesn't want to tell you information. He wants to show you. He doesn't want to point. He wants to journey. This is how Jesus does things. He doesn't want to provide quick answers. He wants you to see for yourself. Come and you will see. 
Follow me, journey with me, walk with me, explore with me, live with me, get to know me, watch me in action. Let me show you who I am. He doesn't set the bar high either, does he, for for entry to, to following him? Did you notice that? There's no IQ test, there's no, you know, read these load of books first or, or anything like that, a standard to meet. He just says, follow me. Let's work on a relationship together. Let's get this thing going. A journey to discover who he is. A journey to discover who he is, and that's awesome. You know, we can't explain who Jesus is in a 30-minute sermon, or even a lifetime's worth of 30-year sermons. That's not the point. It's a lifelong journey with him, and he invites us to come and see, which I think is awesome. And, you know, this is the, this is the purest form of ministry as well, isn't it? This is what Jesus, uh, th- this is what Jesus um, uh, laid out as a, as a, as a, as a method, as a, as, as a way to, uh, to do ministry. You know, we might think that ministry is getting up on a platform and, and speaking for 30 minutes. Or 45 if it's my week. <laughs> getting up to pre- preach from platform or perhaps uh, singing some songs. But Jesus' ministry, and by extension, the ministry that we're all a part of today, starts with come and see. Come and see. And this is something that we can all emulate, isn't it? Yeah? It's available to all of us. We might not be able to preach or sing or lead a ministry or whatever else, but we can all invite people into our lives. We can all uh, show people the joy of the Lord that is our strength. We can all show people the peace that surpasses all understanding uh, in situations that perhaps don't uh, naturally uh, command peace. We can show people the love of God through our own lives. Come and see. I love that. I love that. Let's, uh, let's continue. That's, uh, that's the first point. If you're, if you're making notes. Oh, no, it's not. It's several points in. Oh, haven't, been, uh, haven't been given the titles of the points, have I? They've been on the slide. Who is this amateur? Unbelievable. Let's continue. Uh, verse 40 then. Uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and, uh, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Now, earlier on, we noticed how John's identity is found in Jesus, didn't we? Yeah? We've, we've noted that. We've made notes on that in our notebooks. But uh, the entire purpose for John's life is centered around Jesus. But here, we see the same thing, but we see it a bit more extreme, don't we? We see something uh, that's really quite extreme. See, Jesus has just met this guy called Simon. They've just met him. First encounter. Just met him. And, uh, and, and he's already, he immediately starts to rename him. Just giving him a new name. That's weird, isn't it? Imagine you meet someone and say, yeah, I wish I'm Bob. Uh, Gary, actually, I think. (laughs) 
it's, it's, it's odd. It's odd. It's odd what's happening here. Uh, but uh, but but what what we see uh, what we see is Jesus speaking over Simon uh, this new identity and, uh, and 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 this is this is again it's really key uh, to some more things and some some more uh, some more uh, passages and scriptures that we'll read as we go forward in the Bible. Uh, in later parts of the Bible, we read, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here." And we're witnessing this firsthand right here, right now, with Simon. Simon represents the old, and Peter represents the new. And and this is something that you'll need to watch closely because we can't actually get a full uh, understanding and a full picture of what's going on here in just these few verses. But I promise you we will see as we move through the book of John because it's a fascinating analogy of our own personal walk with Jesus. Because uh, what's happening uh, is Jesus speaks this new identity over Simon, yeah? He says, you're now Peter. But Simon is actually referred to Simon or Simon Peter for the majority of the gospel, uh, for the majority of the next three years and, and, the, and the story that plays out. And it's not until the end that Simon is kind of fully dropped and this is Peter. And so what we're actually able to witness through the whole gospel is a transition is a transition from Simon to Peter, a transition from the old to the new. And I think this is really fascinating because what we see is uh, that Jesus gives this new identity immediately upon meeting Jesus. It's immediate. But actually, it takes a while for uh, Simon to grow into this identity, uh, which we can see outworked in, uh, in the Gospels. It's pretty fascinating. Pretty cool. I like that. I quite like that. So, uh, so keep an eye out. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, yeah. great. Let's uh, let's move on to the next point. Then we testify about Jesus. I'll now read them out. Uh, so here we go. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, "Follow me." Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And uh, I told you the law pointed to Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and about uh, the what? I shouldn't have looked up. And about, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Peter. Come and see said Peter. Jesus uh, comes across this new guy, Philip. He's now involved. And Philip's immediately convinced. Pretty easy work, uh, really. Philip is, uh, is immediately convinced about who Jesus is. Um, and, uh, and so that's good. Uh, but then Philip finds Nathaniel. And, uh, and he says the words, doesn't he? Come and see. He's already emulating uh, the ministry that Jesus is, uh, is, is establishing. He's already emulating Jesus' invitational ministry with this. Come and see. And this is our purpose uh, through Jesus. Jesus finds us, we find others, and then Jesus finds them. Uh, this chain that begins right here in the Gospel of, of John, uh, these chain that begins by Jesus finding these people, and then these people finding other people, this chain has continued for 2,000 years. 
And it is the same chain that is going and it will not stop. It's called the church and it's here to stay. It will not stop until Jesus returns for it. That's, this is the church of Jesus Christ. It might come in different forms. It might take you to some pretty exciting and far off places or it might take you to Asda and the school gate. But this is the purpose. This is our purpose for anyone that follows Jesus Christ and accepts him as Lord and Saviour. It's Jesus' uh, last, uh, the great um, commission uh, that he gives to us uh, at the end, uh, before he ascends into heaven, and it's still outworking in full force today that we testify about Jesus. Are good? Great. Let's move on then. There are two more. There are two more. Uh, verse, uh, from verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here, uh, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Being known, being understood, uh, and being seen uh, is, is something that we all crave, isn't it? Yeah? Is it just me? No. I think, uh, I think we, all, we all crave this. Uh, Sam, and I, <laughs> Sam and I spend perhaps a little bit too much time uh, sometimes of a Sunday afternoon scrolling through Instagram reels. Have you seen those? Yeah? They're sort of 30-second, 60-second videos that sort of speak into, in, into life, uh, I guess. Uh, and occasionally, Sam will send me uh, one of these reels that she's seen. And, uh, and, and it'll be something like, uh, five things your husband does that drives your wives crazy. Or, uh, or why can't my husband empty the dishwasher? And, uh, and sometimes when she sends me these subtle little hints... Or, uh, or perhaps there's self-improvement guides, opportunities for improvement. Uh, sometimes when she sends me these, she'll accompany them with this little caption. And she'll say, I feel seen. Right? I feel seen. I feel known. And what she's, uh, what she's saying is that she feels like someone relates to her. Right? She feels like someone knows her story. Like someone gets it. Like someone else is married to Dom O'Connell. <laughs> like someone else knows her struggle. If we're calling it that. And, uh, and it is just a joke, I think. Um, uh, and I don't think she feels as unseen as, as she might claim. Uh, but uh, apart from by some random on Instagram. Um, but it speaks, it speaks really, it's a little analogy. It speaks of a deep desire uh, to, to be seen, to be known. To have someone understand us to have someone empathise with us, for someone just to say, hey, I see you, I know you, I get it, I know. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with wanting to be known and wanting to be seen, you know, wanting to be affirmed. But when we expect an intimate knowledge of ourselves and our story and our situation and where we are, when we expect this to be held by others, we're going to be a bit disappointed. We are going to be disappointed when we expect the world and the people in it to know us uh, as well as we know ourselves, if not better, it's not going to end well. It's going to lead to, uh, to, to dissatisfaction. It's going to lead uh, to sadness. 
this expectation is going to be significantly undermet by the world. Why? <laughs> because the world isn't focused on you. That's the truth. The world isn't focused on any of us uh, individually. There might be the odd Instagram reel that you, know, uh, that you can identify with that speaks into your life and that might make you feel seen or, or there might be some personality test that is pretty, uh, can pretty accurately describe various parts of your, of your character somewhat accurately, but it's all superficial stuff. When Jesus meets Nathaniel, he already knows him. He already knows him. He has an intimate knowledge of him. He doesn't need a personality test or an Instagram reel. He doesn't even need to sit down with Nathaniel for a conversation. He knows him intimately already because he was the one who created him. Jesus was the one that created Nathaniel. And so uh, Jesus knows Nathaniel better than anyone else ever could. And so for Nathaniel to be seen, to be known, to be understood, it's only possible by Jesus. It's only possible by Jesus. Jesus knows you better than you can ever know yourself and certainly better than anyone else could. Because we read in Psalm 139, don't we? Uh, For you, it's Jesus, you created my inmost being. You created everything that's inside of me, not just the, the fleshy stuff on the outside that everyone can see, but you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. We are known by Jesus. We are seen by Jesus. Great. Um, Verse 49 then says this. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I love this, uh, this last verse of John 1. I love it because it paves the way for what happens next. It paves the way for, uh, for where we're going next. We've done the introductions now, haven't we? done the introductions. We've been introduced to Jesus. We've had a look at ourselves. And, uh, and now we're on a journey with Jesus. And, uh, and he says this, hey, everything that you've seen so far, everything that you've, uh, that you've seen so far, and we've seen, uh, we've seen some stuff, haven't we? You know, we've, we've experienced some stuff through the scripture uh, this week and last. Uh, but all of this, this is just the beginning. You haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. Just you wait. If you live a life walking with Jesus, what you will see, what you will experience, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. The next 20 chapters of John's gospel, they're an adventure. And they're affirming the claims that we've read and that have been made uh, this week and last, that he was there in the beginning. And this chapter... This chapter ends uh, with, uh, with, well, it, it begins, doesn't it, with a, uh, with a significant claim that, that Jesus was, the, that Jesus is the creator, that he was there in the beginning. And it ends with Jesus declaring a significant identity when he says, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, this is a scripture from Genesis 28, and it says, 
it says this, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching into heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. What's, what's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, I am the connection between heaven and earth. I am the only way to the Father. There may be many ways to Jesus. There are many ways to Jesus, as we'll see. But Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's what he's saying. That's the claim that's being made. And, uh, and that's what we're going to further explore as we continue to read uh, John, the Gospel of John. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I think we've, uh, we've gone through pretty quickly uh, this week, haven't we? Two sections really should have been uh, two weeks. Paul agrees. But, uh, but I, think, I, th- I think it's good. I think you know, we're, we're, on, we're on a good path to explore the scriptures together, to open and to read and to hear what it is that God has to say to his people and to go on this journey, to go on this journey, this exciting and incredible journey to see some great things as Jesus promises us in John 1.51 that we will see great things. You know, every week we give an opportunity uh, to, uh, to accept Jesus as Lord. Because what we're saying here is, is, something, is something that the claims that are made, they can't really be ignored. Do you know what I mean? They can't be ignored. When someone presents a claim this bold, that Jesus is the Son of God, that's not really a claim that can be ignored. It can be denied. Or it can be accepted, but it can't be ignored. And so we give an opportunity every week uh, to accept this claim. And, and not only that, uh, but, but to accept into our lives the person of Jesus Christ. To accept into our hearts uh, Jesus uh, and, uh, and, and to, to ask the Holy Spirit uh, to be with us and to guide us as we go about, uh, about our life to accept and to know and to understand that we want to be on this journey. We don't know where it's going to lead. We don't know the answer to all the questions. I don't even know what all the questions are yet, let alone the answers to them. But, but we reach a point where we say, yeah, this is it. This is truth. This is real. This is it. And so we give this opportunity every week, and if that's you for the first time today, what I'd like us to do is, uh, is each, if, if each of us is able to bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you're in this place this morning and you're saying, yep, yep, I want to try it. I want to be on that journey. I want to I meet Jesus. Because this guy sounds fascinating. I want to meet Jesus. If that's you this morning, I'd like it if you could raise your hand. I'm just going to pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you, we thank you, Jesus, that you, that you willingly went to the cross. Not by your own will, but by your Father's will. That you chose to go to the cross, to take on the weight of humanity's sin and shame. That you paved a way, that you made a way whereby we may be able to enjoy everlasting life and eternity with the Father, that we will be spared from an eternity in in, in torment and in hell, 
that we can avoid that, that you spare us from that. We thank you, Lord, that you save us from hell. But Lord, we thank you that you save us to eternal life. And so we thank you for salvation this morning. I thank you that you've paved the way uh, for, all, for all of us in this room that know you as Lord, that we enjoy that eternal life with you. Amen. That's all for now. We pray that you heard something that brought life to you today so that you may go and be the person that God called you to be. God bless you.